the New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, your strategic and proactive IT partner. Welcome along to the New Zealand Business Podcast. I'm Paul Spain, and with me in the studio today is Gianpaolo Grizzoli. How are you? Hi, Paul. Good evening. I'm very good. Now, did I Thank pronounce you. your name correctly? I'm not always very good at these things. Thank you for inviting me here tonight. Um, yeah, you did it well, but you can call me Chapo. Chapo. I like that. That's good. And that's the same name as your business. Yes, it is. So, for those that don't know about Giapo, and I don't know there are many people in, in New Zealand, certainly in the Upper North Island, that wouldn't know about Giapo because your store is, is pretty famous, really. You've had a huge amount of media coverage, talked about often on social media, TV, radio, and I think you know, you're, you're known for your mission of creating the world's uh, best ice cream. And I would say most that have tried your handcrafted ice creams and sorbets would say you're already there, you've already got the world's best. Certainly, if not, then you're not, not far off. Uh, tell us about you know, how you would describe your, your vision and the, uh, the story behind Giapo. Thank you, Paul, for giving me the opportunity to be here today again. Um, I don't know whether the mission is to do the best ice cream, and I don't know even if that thing exists because, you know, best is best for me and it's subjective to what I am going to like it or not, but it can be different for you. And uh, uh, so probably best is not really what we are after anymore. Uh, we we, we want to be better than yesterday, every day, but we certainly are now on a different uh, purpose. And the purpose is to change ice cream and change the way people experience it. This is where... Uh, we this is what we are doing this is where we stand and the vision for it is what we do every day you know, all those all those creations and things that actually challenge the the stereotype that ice cream has been for the past 60 65 years since it was invented since the fridge came along the fridge came along and the freezers came along and since a frozen um, custard um, made place in our in our gastronomy um, I am up for a change. Uh, I believe there is room for a better ice cream. And um, my vision is coming out every day, as you can see on my Instagram or, or Facebook or Twitter pages. Yeah, I mean, I certainly notice every time I go in, there's a, there's a new creation. How often are you creating a, a new ice cream or a, a, new, uh, a new creation? Once upon a time, before, I was focused on mere creativity and I was counting and taking notes and, 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 and documenting the amount of recipes I was writing and at one point in time in my career about in 2010 we were writing about three recipes a day making in practice three recipes a day for over a thousand recipes in a year and there was really a was a huge job, huge work. Huge work that did not produce what we really wanted. It gave me two things. On one side, it gave me a huge understanding of the ingredients and what we were doing, you know. So I, I really started speaking the language of ice cream and I understood the, the, the material and the ingredients that I was using. But on the other side, I understood my customers better and they were not interested in what I was trying to do. So creativity at that point was finding a, 
um, it wasn't really give me, giving me what I was hoping that it would give me, which is understanding, pleasing my customers. So I stopped, and I and I and I probably I haven't done anything for three, four, five months, trying to understand what was my next thing. You know, if creativity wasn't the El Dorado, then what would be for me? And back again, creativity is what it was meant to be, but I was using it in the wrong way. Now my creativity is not applied to make a recipe or to make a new one. It would be too easy, and it was too easy. But now it's applied to change the way people experience ice cream. So it's a new creation. It's an ice cream with wings, like what we've done last week for, for some Valentines and the Cupid cones. It's, a, it's an ice cream that looks like a road cone, or it can be an ice cream, as the next one I'm doing now, that looks like a shuttle going up on Mars. So for, the, for, the, for, for our observatory, what's the name of the, the place up in our own thing here in Auckland? The, where the kids go, forgot. The observatory. Yeah, the observatory. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. So I'm doing it for them, and it's going to look like a, a a space shuttle with four big engines underneath, and it's going to be cool. This is this is what I'm trying to do. You know, it's uh, this is the vision that I currently have to feed the purpose of changing the way people experience it. That's great. How did you get started on this on this journey? I mean, you love love food. Um, I'm a pastry chef. Yeah. So I'm a pastry chef. I, I, I'm Where did you learn the trade? A little bit in Italy, a little bit in Melbourne. Um, I used to work in pastry shops and um, uh, in some restaurants, and uh, I always was uh, relegated to the pastry station. Um, I like sweet. I, I, I've been a big, big ice cream eater all my life, since probably I was two. And... Um, yeah, so at one point in time, my wife and I, we said, we got to do something. So we opened Japo as a pastry shop. Now you know, Paul, it was a pastry shop. But the pastry shop didn't go far, and it only lasted three months. Three months, uh, I was full of that. I um, was a bit desperate back then. Um, I did not have any customer. And um, I was eating pretty much everything I was producing in the morning, actually, (laughs) early, early in the morning, because as you know, uh, being a pastry chef means baking and doing things like that. And uh, and I was eating it all. So it was a very, um, yeah, it was a a difficult time. But then we decided to focus on ice cream. So we closed it and reopened changed the setup of the place for the second time within four months. And um, here we go, Japo ice cream. And there was the Japo ice cream that had, uh, of course, a different feel and look than what it currently has, which is an evolution of uh, the second Japo. <laughs> How important do you think it is in business now to be continually reinventing, reevaluating what you're doing? And do you think that most of us get how important that is? Two things, Paul. Okay. There are two things that are important, as far as I see, to answer your questions. The first one is change is not an option. You have to do it. If you don't change, you are irrelevant. You're becoming irrelevant as we speak. On the other thing, though, 
once you have this one sorted and you think you've done your change and hopefully you will be okay for a year or two, no one can get you because you're cool and you have your competitive advantages and all of that. On the other side, here you go, you need to keep changing because you need to refocus and refocus and refocus and refocus and refocus on what matters to you, to your purpose, to your vision, and whatever it means to the people you're serving, your customers. So it's a continuous change, man. Continuous. You cannot let it go. You can't. You got to be on it and tweak it all the time. What are the other changes that you've made since obviously relaunching from being the pastry shop to Giapo ice cream? Are there any big ones that really stand out to you or is it it more continuous? Plenty, mate, plenty. When we opened up as an ice cream shop, it was an ice cream shop and we were cool. It was organic or almost all local. Um, We were making everything by ourselves, but nobody was buying anything. Again, oh, kind of. I wouldn't say nobody was buying anything. I would say we were nothing like what we are today, right? And that, and that tells you a lot. The next step was we start making the cones ourselves. Then we made the chocolate ourselves. Things that were almost impossible, completely impractical in 46 square meters but we went through because we wanted to have control on every single production step in our kitchen and and this is and now this is with us you know it's part of my background part of who I am in the kitchen uh, and it's part of what is Japo today the next thing was to see well now we have a very good ice cream an ice cream that is organic, an ice cream that is made in New Zealand uh, with the New Zealand ingredients or produce or mostly, you know, because, you know, we don't make chocolate here, but we can make, we make everything else pretty much. Mm. Plenty, of, plenty of milk and dairy and, uh, and beautiful produce. So, yeah, but what's the next thing? You know, how I'm going to change the way people experience ice cream, you know? What was the next thing? And... Since of the experiences I had in in those uh, pluri uh, awarded restaurants overseas and here, you see that the de- the, the, the level of details is uh, unbelievable, and you see also see that the people that really made it uh, uh, to the world have changed food or whatever they wanted to do forever. And uh, so inspired by uh, so, so, the, so, so those sort of chefs with the Michelin stars, yeah, yeah. those sort of restaurants, that was an inspiration for you. Yeah. But, of course, none of those were doing that around ice cream. None of those were doing that around ice cream. You're 100% right. But they were doing it around the food that you and I and our, with our wives may go and have uh, in, in any very good restaurants in town today, probably in Auckland, uh, uh, and uh, around the world. So, yes. And so I said, maybe maybe making very good ice cream, it's not really what we 
we have to do. I think it's about time now that we have the kitchen in place and we and we control the whole food chain and and all and all the kitchen uh, steps of what we do and uh, so we know exactly if anything, go, if anything goes wrong what went wrong and how it went wrong and how to fix it and how to tweak it we can probably start increasing the volume of what people was expecting us so at that point in time as i mentioned before then i said well maybe it's creativity because my first couple of years were all focused on let me find all the all, all the suppliers here all the best producer let me understand how am i going to make it better how am i going to have full control of the kitchen and blah, 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 blah. the next step then was creativity and my creativity was really creativity per se so i documented thousands and thousands of recipes and the steps one by one all photographs and everything but in reality they are kind of meaningless because I wasn't talking to anyone and no one was really listening back then and no one was interested in what I was doing. So like I said before, they gave me the opportunity of understanding that nobody was listening and that it gave me the opportunity to learn the language I was talking, you know. So I got better and better in making ice cream. I understand spices, I understand uh, special ingredients, I understand this and that. And we try techniques and things where that are still very avant-garde. So once we got there and then we said, well, we haven't done anything, I, I, I decided to change again and to, to say, now the next thing is we may need to apply pastry and chocolate and cuisine. Ah, since we were doing so many recipes, we pretty much were cooking already like a restaurant. And I was spending probably 15 hours a day there and with me, uh, my chefs, trying to make those two or three recipes a day and, 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 and going through like, a, like it was a race. And they gave us skills, cooking skills, and uh, um, ingredient skills that then we have used, um, that we are using, of course, until now. But they also gave us the opportunity to see, wow, we are working like a restaurant here. Look, we're cooking. I said, wow, why don't we think ice cream like something that can be prepared a la minute? Why don't we cook it in front of the customer? Why don't we make it better and more beautiful? Why don't we plate it like it's plated when you go to a great restaurant? And so the vision started to unfold and the vision, probably for the first time really, was fitting the purpose that was to change ice cream. And so the first nice, so so what was the next thing? The next thing was, well, then we will need to design ice cream, so draw it, and then we will have to prepare things that make sense on that ice cream and also make it look better, like plating. And I say, yeah, this is it. You know, this is this is where we are. And so we started that. And, uh, and then after so this, this is where the creativity really went to the next level because there's a huge amount of creativity in because terms it's of the, a leap mate yeah it's a leap it's a it's a jump it's a leap that we did 
embracing something that wasn't seen anywhere else. We were applying restaurants, pastry, and chocolate, just one item, ice cream, and uh, that was it. You know, essentially, it was something that I've funded by myself. It could have been a huge failure. You know, and and, and, were you, were and back you, then no one was paying for it anyway, so I was I was funding it. And were you concerned about whether you could make this into a successful business? You I mean you put all that time into designing and creating the ice creams, to coming up with the uh, the creative designs of how you know you call it plating it, how you're going to uh, prepare there is one and, and big deliver. Thing. It. Okay, as you may have uh, understood, I failed many times. Part of being human, isn't it? But one thing always has been with me and my wife, and it's been faith. Faith, faith. Nothing religious, you know. I'm, I was, I'm, I'm Christian, but not really. And I haven't been to the church like for since I got married, exactly. So no, it's not faith because I believe in in God or in Jesus. It's faith because tomorrow is gonna be better, mate. Let's try one more time. That take that takes some grit. That takes some commitment to keep pushing through when you've been doing so, it for a long time. So to what answer was, your question, did you were you doing it to make the business successful? Of course, I would. Of not really, but of course, yes. Not really, because my my goal it is not, and it will never be to make it successful out of a retail shop. I understand how economy of scales will go. And unfortunately, this is what we have to live with, you know. On the other side, yes, because I understood that only by being who I wanted to be, I could get some value out of what I was trying to do. And... um, so, yeah, instead of settling for what everybody else was doing, we invented the job that pretty much you have today. Cool. Well, it's, I mean, it's very much an extension of you, though, isn't it? This, this is a product that, that comes from your passion, what you love to do. This isn't a, a traditional business that follows, you know, a standard sort of cookie-cutter approach. This is, uh, you know, it's been, it's been born out of the time that you've poured into uh, your passion to create something different. Yeah, passion, but also I've been very fearful. Fearful to be judged, fearful not to be liked, fearful to who does he think wants this stupid ice cream why is he make it why is he not giving us just a simple vanilla why is he make it so fancy why you know i got i, I got critics why does that matter what does it matter what people think no it doesn't matter so you how, are, do, how you, do you, you tell are, that how do you yeah, tell that to yourself then, when when you're feeling years, that way four or five years ago if they those little little voices coming to you they were more important. Now, 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 now that they're only important, I mean, they're still important, but they're not as important. Now I know that my uh, roadmap is, it's, now my roadmap is much clearer than what it was five years. Five years ago, I did a huge leap. I embraced uh, something new, you know, to create what Japo is today. 
And uh, now, four or five years down the track, I'm very happy with what I've done. Um, Japo at the moment is doing over a thousand people a day. It's probably the, one of the busiest hospitality places in the country. Well, you've always got queues out the door, haven't you? It's pretty unusual to go down there and be able to get served the moment you arrive. Uh, you know, certainly if you go down on a you know on a, on a week night. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. I mean, those times there can be a, a big long queue out the door. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm lucky. Uh, I'm um, humbled to see so many people uh, understanding me. Because, Paul, this is what it's all about. There's nothing better than being understood, mate. Nothing better. Nothing better than being understood. I'm being understood. It took me seven, eight years. Most companies fail way before that. It's Most great ideas fail way before that. And once you have been recognised, once things are working well, it's kind of easy to have faith because you've got a you've got a platform to pivot from, to change from. But in those early days, that's when it's tough. And how did you get through those times when you were maybe struggling to pay the bills? You were working really, really long hours, and your wife was wondering you know, when was she was going to see the, you. How, was, how did that all fit together? I was banking. Financially, I was banking with ASB. And, uh, but in reality, I was banking with any other banks in town. I had about 25 credit cards open. All of them smashed with $10,000 debts on it. I was paying about $10,000 interest only every month just to try to make it work and earn time to understand what was the next thing. So you could understand. Now you, have, now you understand what it means, what it meant to me closing the pastry shop and reopening as an ice cream shop when everything else already was going wrong, you know. Of course, it was a crazy thing to do. Uh, I probably would never recommend my kids to do, <laughs> you know, to have about $300,000 worth of credit cards, debt. But it was the only, the only, the only way I had to, to leave my... My previous job, no, I, I, to do what I wanted to do because I really had had no job back then. Probably, yeah, I was doing some catering. Uh, I was doing some catering around, but I, I really wanted to have a restaurant, or a pastry shop, and then I ended up doing ice cream. Catering wasn't your wasn't your passion, was it? Very hard, very hard. You know, you know, normal people. So I was sub catering for somebody else who was already catering. You know, very, very, very. Very tight. Just a way of paying the bills. Yeah, I was paying the bills. Yeah, I was paying the bills. Um, my wife was working for a for, for the university. She was teaching pharmacology, a pharmacist. But then we moved on. We decided we planned to have so many credit cards open. We we of our own we probably had like fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Not even the first rent, my like first rent. Fifty, sixty thousand dollars. And uh, the place cost us about half a million to start it up. Uh, family gave us some money, but mostly were credit cards, mate. Did you get a lot of pressure from family in, the, in those earlier days? Uh, my father hasn't given me anything, uh, and so my mother. Uh, my, my brother gave me some, uh, and a very good friend of mine in Italy passed me some money, which I've uh, returned um, and uh, then I found BNZ, and BNZ um, paid back all the credit cards, 
and made me a mortgage of 4 or 5%, which was pretty fair. And back then, I did not own a house. So the interest that they gave me was very favorable compared to I was paying about 25%. It was a disaster, mate. <laughs> that would have helped a lot. That would have really helped a lot. Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. saving just in interest probably five or six, probably seven, eight grand a month. Mm, mm. Which That's then right. I've used to repay the debts back. Yeah. Well, that was great to be able to get into that position to get that helping hand and obviously that the business headed in the right direction. Can, can you pinpoint a particular time where things really started taking off? I mean, you've had a lot of media coverage. You've made good use of social media where, where people uh, that maybe aren't in the store, haven't even tasted your product, are hearing about you, not just through other people talking about you, you know, one-on-one, but through people sharing more broadly through those other channels. Is that... How helpful have you, do you think that that technology has been in, uh, in spreading the word? Technology or media? Well, it's a combination, isn't it? It's, I mean, the technology other... enable, enables this new form of media. It enables so we, podcasts, it so, enables YouTube and, and, and Facebook. And, and so we're talking about social media now. Yes, Paul? We are. We're always talking about social media No, no I'm asking, you know, because you mentioned media coverage and then you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, you know, traditional media as well, I think these things cross over now, right? You know, what goes on TV ends up uh, online as well. What, uh, I what believe, goes Paul, on TV gets promoted through the social media channels. What I believe, Paul, is that the media that you're going to use is completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter. How can that be? You've had huge coverage through those channels. They've helped bring umpteen people through the doors, surely. But this is a bit like saying you make shit ice cream so people come just because you're using social media. But social media amplifies what otherwise might have just been spoken one-on-one because instead of somebody just sharing it one-on-one with a friend, when they put it on social media, it might be seen by 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. Is that fair to say? The media you're going to use is irrelevant because it has no sense to talk about anything anywhere on any media, anything anywhere on any media, if the thing is stupid, irrelevant, meaningless, um, not worth talking about. So on one side, when I started Japo in 2000. Eight, Facebook, Twitter, where we're at the dawn, you know, we're starting up. And uh, by the age that I had, I was, I believe, 20, 28, 29, 29. You know, it came natural that I was using them. But on the other side, I've always tried to use them. So what I was passing would be meaningful for the people that were following me. So then, as you say, now is the main media talking about us. And um, that tells you a lot. It tells you that people, that more people are even more interested in what they do because they find what they do interesting. It's not that, and if it wasn't otherwise, they won't be doing it, mate. Sure. Because it's not paid advertising. No, no. It's not paid advertising. And people share it because they love the product. And people share it because it makes them feel better, mate. They don't love the product. People don't love things. 
because they know that things don't love them back. People love themselves because whatever they buy makes them feel better. You know, you bought a beautiful iPad, I see that. You only bought it because it makes you feel better, man. Because you're the guy that owns that iPad, and from that iPad, you can control your station here and things like that. Apart that it is not an iPad, as far as I see. It's an iPad? <laughs> no. It's not an iPad. Yeah, it's a, it's a Microsoft tablet. Sitting next to the iMac. Yes, but sitting next to an <laughs> iMac. Yeah, so it's tapping into the mind of the people that you are relating to. So social media is important because you say it amplifies, but if it has nothing to amplify, then it doesn't amplify anything. In eight years down the track, if I was only a social media guy, how many companies have you seen opening and closing on social media? I believe hundreds. Everyone's on social media, right? Everyone. And the moment that everyone is on it and everyone is trying to market to you something, then the value of social media itself is nil. There is no strength to the media. That's why the choice of the media is irrelevant, mate. I hope I've been clear enough to, <laughs> to pass the message. And, you know, you. So a podcast is irrelevant, Giapo? It doesn't matter, mate. It does not matter. It can be relevant to me, but it's certainly relevant to the thousands of people that listen to you. So the relevance here is not in the podcasting, you know, because you already, you already know that you have people that found it very relevant for them, you know, because they're waiting for you to come with the next one. And that's all that matters. If I need to choose a media platform to market my art, my products, my services, the one that I use, it's completely relevant because if what I've done, it's worth something, whether I put it on Facebook or on Instagram, if it's like amazing, people will take it from there and it's going to share it there and put it somewhere else and then ping and, 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 and inform the world because what they've seen or what they felt or what they are experiencing is, um, is worth doing it. You know? and, and this is what it is, mate. That's why it's irrelevant. I may even not just do anything yeah. and keep it for me and just wait for people coming to the shop and do it. You know? Sure, sure. Now, so turning points for you, any, any other points that stand out? Any other things that you want to share? I got a beautiful family, two wonderful children, and I'm a very lucky man. Very lucky. Live in beautiful New Zealand. We are all blessed there. We are. It's a great country. Great country. Yeah. Now, I'm curious to hear, how did you get involved in this world of gastronomy and food? What, what was it that pushed you into studying and, and learning about this and being able to uh, make it the thing that would... Um, I guess, feed you for the rest of your life, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I, I grew up in a family that, where food was a, a very, very important part of um, our culture. I come from south of Italy, a place called Torre del Greco. I was born there. Um, now I feel New Zealand is my home. Um, but um, being 
yeah, growing up in that in that house with my grandmother cooking pretty much twenty four seven, it was always something on the pot. It really made me understand how centered our life is with food. And um, yeah, I believe food came uh, came naturally. Uh, I don't think I've seen a McDonald's until I probably achieved age twenty, and I went to, to London and I lived there where I also ended up working for one. Um, yeah, I think I've never seen a fast food outlet until then, mate. What did you learn from McDonald's? Anything? Yeah, absolutely. So many things. I believe I learned, you know, the 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 organizational um, setup that they had was very impressive. Um, how everything was triple-checked. Their level of um, checking and... Um, Consistency sort of goes hand-in-hand yeah, yeah, hand with yeah, McDonald's, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. You, you, so I don't want to talk about the quality or what we think about mm. the food is because everybody talks about it. But I can tell you that the company has an amazing system in place, you know. And uh, uh, I just wish them to find a, a, a new way. Now, here you go, a change to to lead the world of fast food again, you know. Mm. I think they can do it and make us eat better. So... We all need a burger, mate. We all need one. We all need a... A burger. An hamburger. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Most, well, most, most of us will eat a hamburger. Not everyone. Not everyone. No. Not everyone. Um, big that, but it's a pretty big market, isn't it, that they're in. Now, <coughs> l- looking from Giapo, which yes. is one store on Queen Street in Auckland, to McDonald's. It's the, <laughs> it's, it's the other end of the scale in terms of, uh, in terms of size. There, there are things, as you say, that you've learnt from them that no doubt you've employed in terms of how you, how you run things day to day. Do you have any ambitions for uh, worldwide domination? No. <laughs> no ambitions to be any bigger than what I'm currently. Uh, and this is um, uh, my my statement. I, I'm not planning to open any other um, kitchen or place anywhere. I just want to be better. I don't want to be big. Being big at the moment may slow me down with what I want to um, mean and... and and, and, and express with my art. I get that, but I did hear the the comment at the moment. So, so maybe maybe one day in the future it, you are it might cor- make sense. You you are right. Opportunities come all the time, and people knock at our door, and they want us, and and we listen. You know, um, they can be uh, small opportunities, big opportunities. At the moment, we are going our way. We will see what's going to happen in the future. I think we still have lots to give. Good, good. Now, in terms of day-to-day challenges, because you've been through a lot of challenges, you've learned a lot through those things, um, what are the typical day-to-day challenges just of doing business in Auckland, a business with, what, between 20 and 30 staff? And, you know, I know within uh, most fields there can be a reasonable amount of turnover, so you must be regularly having to employ staff. There's a lot of work and managing people what 
What does that look like for you? What are the chal- what are the day to day challenges? I, I believe the biggest challenge we have is labor. Just we can't find enough, and we can't find people that want to do what we do for what we pay them. But unfortunately, changing that will mean changing everything again, which is probably on the cards again. Who knows, you know? The second major problem is organizing um, supply. I mean, because we are are trying to source everything locally and probably directly with any uh, farmers or grocers, or yeah, farmers or producers in, in the country, Getting them organized and delivered these for us um, a point of uh, daily concern. Things have arrived, they have not arrived. Yes, send them. Yes, no. Say, has not been paid. Why has not been paid? Missed invoice. So things. So the normal daily operation of a a small business. um, Yeah. So twenty six staff is probably the managing them is probably the number one issue. And then there is the daily daily. Uh, thanks God, we don't have many issues with customers. Um, I don't say we have a hundred percent of happy customers, but we try to see and consider everyone that comes through our door. And uh, we, if somebody is not happy, we our our responsibility is to understand what's going on. So we. Don't be afraid if we if we understand that you have not had the, the experience you um, were expecting, and we we can read it from your face if we ask you. Um, and how do you address those those things? If you know when you know occasionally something goes wrong in every any, day in any business, goes wrong. right? Every day, yeah. So I'll tell you something. Yesterday, a person was eating um, uh, an ice cream, and um, there were a normal hazelnut uh, there, right? Fine, normal hazelnut, and he broke his tooth. But it was an hazelnut, and um, and it, I I touched the hazelnut he was having, and they were pretty normal. But he didn't make a big fuss out of it, you know. But um, I said, you know, this is a normal hazelnut. But he said, I broke my tooth, and I said, um, I see you, mate. You know, what can I do for you? Do you have a dentist? And I said, I do. And it's a good one. And this is the number. And he said, uh, yeah, I'll go and see her tomorrow. I said, yeah, go and see her tomorrow. So uh, it, uh, it's not my fault. <laughs> a nut is a nut, and that nut was not even hard. He probably had a, a loose tooth or something, you know. But uh, it depends on how you manage it, you know. If probably... Um, if I'd said, oh, it's not my fault, it's not, don't try to blame me and now you want to sue me for this or that, he probably would have been very defensive. I said, you know, my, you know I'm very sorry. This is the first time it happened in 80 years. What can I do, you know? Mm, mm. And he went on and said, do you have a dentist? I said, because he was from, uh, from Europe somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was all he needed. He needed a, a he needed pointer a in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, good yeah. stuff. Now, those operational things that you talked about, the logistical sort of challenges of dealing with so many suppliers, you know, making all of your own chocolate and... No uh, more do- chocolate. I don't make... Okay. Uh, I used to, no more, because the operation grew, so we now buy Belgian. 
So, so there are times when you have made a call and decided that you need to make a change on those things to make the business work more effectively as long as it uh, – you, you must have to keep that in Paul, balance in terms of the, the results. Summertime as we are, we serve about five and a half, six thousand 6,000 people a week, which is more than 1,000 people a day in weekends, which, which means about two people a minute, about 120 people an hour for 10 hours. Here we are. It's a huge number of people for 46 square meters place where 26 people already are working there trying to make it work, where the temperature in a kitchen at the moment is above 40 degrees if we're lucky. And you're trying to make a frozen product. And I'm trying to freeze something. Yeah. Absolutely, man. You yeah. got it. Yeah. So at the moment, we are a 24-7 operation. The kitchen never stops. We got people coming uh, at uh, as soon as the shop closed to the public at about 11 p.m. during weekdays, they start baking and and and, and making the, the cones. Then the pastry sh- the pastry and the bakers come to to bake cookies and sponge cakes and things like that and shortbread at about 4 a.m. So all the hot hot stuff we try to make it as early in the morning as possible. Then chocolate people. Go in the chocolate room at about 5 a.m. Ice cream guy is already up and running at 6 a.m. Hopefully to have everything ready by 12 p.m. That's the time when we open. And you're not tempted to outsource a bunch of that and get someone else to no, do it somewhere else because you want to keep the quality you want to it's, control. It's, every, it's not about the quality. It. It's not about the quality. It's about having that opportunity to make it better. If you outsource something, if you buy the cookies from someone, if you, uh, we even make our own butter. You know, so we are, everything that I can do by myself, I will do by myself because if I may have a chance to make it better, I will try to make it better. And um, a chance otherwise I cannot have if I have to go with a big supply, you know. Now, over late, we're buying, um, we're buying butter because we're using way more for making some some um, shortbread, some cakes. But until yesterday, I would say, you know, we made our own for like for seven years. For yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are points in time when you, you'll you make those changes because it's the right thing to do for the business. Yeah, because you probably understand that the artisan that is doing or the company that is doing is doing it right and uh, you, it probably, you, you won't be able to make it better than them. Or it's just more convenient. Not much money-wise, but time-wise. Essentially, my kitchen is about 15 metres, man. Yeah, you do, a, you do a pretty incredible job in a small space there. 24-7, man. Yeah, yeah. 24-7, Paul. So now talking to the listeners that maybe have got a dream to do something, maybe it's creative, like your business is a, is a very creative business. There's also all the scientific aspects um, can you maybe break it down? What are all the skills that are required to do what you do? Oh my God, I don't know. What would you say are the are the? I think you gotta have faith. <laughs> Just like I said before, I think it's faith. But there's more than that, isn't there? What are the... I think faith is the most important skill. Yeah. Look, I moved to New Zealand. I started Japo, and then I went to uni again. So you went to, uni, you went to university I'm, after starting yeah, at Chiapo? Yeah, because I, I, I am an economic graduate. I graduated in Italy. Mm. I did my second degree in London. 
during September 11, I was there in London. And then I moved to New Zealand. And then I went to uni again. And then eventually I graduated to what I believe is the best thing I've done in my life, which is food science. That made me understand what ice cream was, you know. So at that point, I knew what was inside the ice cream. So I could start changing it and play with it for my with for my own um, uh, yeah to feed my own vision mm. of making better ice cream and um so you really really studied your art you must care a lot my faith, care a lot about look, it look look how much faith was after already having two university degree i said the next one is going to be the right one it's always the next one mate you know you got to have faith there was a beautiful song from george michael faith so where to, where to next for you? Where to next? Great question, Paul. Thank you. We are moving from where we are. Um, we're saying goodbye to the landlord and to the place. A bit sad for the place because although it's so small and cramped and there is no much aeration and the cooling system is gone and boom, blah, you know, it's given us... Uh, it's, it's, it's my... Uh, starting place and I am emotionally linked to it but we're moving we don't know yet where as today today is the 17th of February 17 yeah so I don't know yet where I can tell that I have two options at the moment on the table and uh, hopefully I will be able to to tell you something more in the next 20 days uh, our lease expire by expires in uh, October this year, so we got another seven months, roughly, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to to start uh, straight away or yeah, to the new place, always around the city. So you're not going to open two places, no, Paul. <laughs> and yeah, for the for those who have some vision themselves but haven't been able to make maybe those steps of faith, any any guidance that you can share, anything practical. Having the vision, having, having a vision is only good if you know what you're doing. So you firstly need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then you need lots of faith that with your vision and all your, because failing is in the vision, is never on why you're doing it. You fail the vision, you know. It's the vision that needs to be Relooked and changed and tweaked all the time. So you need to have lots of faith because if it's working, the vision isn't good. Well, you kept changing yours, didn't you? You let it. You you refreshed what you were heading towards as you went along. Yes, but I never changed why I was doing it. Mm. So I've been true to myself and proud. Eight years on, I've changed the vision many times. I keep changing it. So the vision is how you're going to get there. You know, what, what are the tools and the bits and pieces and the strategy? You know, strategy goes on the vision. Whatever you, is going to, what is going to look like. Vision is visual. You, you, you have a dream. What, what is going to look like that dream? What's your vision for that dream? It's how you got to do it. It's going to be like this. And the way I'm going to do it is going to be like this. And, and, and that's what fails. The dream, the, the reason why you want to do it, they never fail, but it's the vision they fail. So you've got to be ready to keep changing it 
until you find it. It's the strategies, it's um, at the tools, at the, the the way you you express yourself, maybe even the language you're using that is wrong. And so it needs to be tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and tweaked until you find you are in sync. So it sounds to me like if we were to, we were to pick on some things that were, well, let's call them giapoisms. Far out. Um, then then continuous, that continuous improvement, that continuous refreshing will be part of it. Is there anything else that, that are giapoisms, that are how you operate, how you do business, how you live life that other people might be curious about? I'm a normal man. But everybody's, every normal person is different. Some people get up at 4 o'clock every morning. Some people, well, there's so many different things. Look, I, I, at the moment, I am all for being inspired. So I am desperate to be inspired and to have uh, more ideas. So I try to absorb as much uh, things that may trigger my creativity and my um so how, how do you do that do you jump on the plane and travel around the world to see what wish, other people are doing do you know do you go online do you study um, what, what are the those best, things that, the, that the help best, inspire you the best i mean the thing that helps me the most is reading by far reading 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 really helps my brain make um connections I see the brain clicking when I read something that I'm interested on. And and the reading I'm doing, you know, all about food and creativity. And um, I hope it helps. <laughs> I've been reading them for quite a while. So you read about what you're passionate about and you invested a lot of time into that. It's, it sounds like this isn't just I'd, something where you I'd read a, a little bit. You read a lot, don't you? I do about a book a week. Yeah. And I've been doing it for... 12 years so I'm probably so you've invested 600, not, not, not just the, the 10,000 hours that's, that, that we hear about to become an expert at something you, you've invested tens of thousands of hours 10,000 hours if you work 8 years I believe isn't it 10 years well it depends how many hours you put in each week Paul it's different yeah. I, work, I work every day from the moment I wake up which is 6 o'clock until the moment I go to sleep, which is probably 11 o'clock. But you don't need, you don't stay with your family. You, Yeah, yeah, it's all work. And I guess it depends what you define as work, because it sounds like you love what you do. You love every minute I of absolutely. it. Absolutely. And my family, including my two children, are part of it. That's great. A part of what I'm doing. And they share it. My wife is completely into it. So that's why it's easy to work 24-7, sleeping probably six, seven hours, so doing like 18-7, and um, not being tired of it. And you're not leaving your family out of it, are you? Out of your life? No. Paul, I haven't had a holiday for eight years. I haven't had a, I, I haven't... I left the country for work, for consulting, for, for because I went to a congress or so some conference or fair. Uh, I haven't left the country really for a holiday. I haven't left the country. I, I, my kids, the only beach my kids have seen is down in Mission Bay where we live. And I'm not ashamed to say 
Owaiki Island because we got a friend, so we go there one day, every now and then. But this is it, mate, you know? So we haven't had like a break. I haven't had a week. So, Japo, you had a week? Did you go to the islands? Nah. So, no. Giapoism is to not to stop working. No, I'm not saying that. I think, <laughs> I think, mate, if I've done what, I, look what I'm telling you now. Yeah, yeah. If I've done what I've done without having a break, if I start having a break every now and then, I think I will be able to do much more. I'm sure. Because, because those, because the breakthrough really come once you, you know, once you have your, your time off, you know. That's true. That's true. I mean, some of my best times are when I'm sitting on a, on a you know on a long flight you just and you're just clarity, you're yeah. unplugged from everything there's no internet yeah it's clarity yeah there's something good that happens then yes and uh, i haven't had that i haven't had the chance because thousands of things and uh, getting the place to where it is now you know always busy trying to make it happen i think my next thing is to have a holiday i believe my wife has booked something um for the week of Easter. So maybe Good. cross fingers we should go to Gold Coast. Excellent. For the first time. That's great. That's great. Well, that has been an absolutely fascinating discussion, Giapo. Thank you, Paul. Um, what a pleasure. Y- what you've shared is, is unique. It's unique to you. Uh, and I think that will, it will be inspiring for a lot of our listeners. I so hope so. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you for the listeners and um, wish you all the best. And where do people track you down online? I am at Japo on Twitter. I also have a Snapchat now. At Japo Snapchat. Snapchat's the new big thing, isn't it? I just started yesterday. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm not kind of sure yet how it works, but I know. Working okay. on it. I'll, I'll, add, I'll add you on Snapchat. So you have a Snapchat too? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We should, we'll, we'll Snapchat something after, after this. Yeah, let's do it. And um, Instagram, Japo Kitchen, and... Uh, Facebook, I think it's just Japo, something like that. That's great. And giapo.com. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Fantastic to be able to uh, spend some time hanging out and chatting and and maybe catching just a little bit of that uh, Giapo passion. So thank you very much. What an honor. Thank you. Cheers. The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, your strategic and proactive IT partner.